ASP listeners, you can get 50% off your first order of CS Instant Coffee by using the code ADVENTURE. Check them out. They've been a supporter of the show for a while, so it would really mean a lot if you went and supported them. Thank you. Um, and we're, we're, we're literally climbing, and uh, I see all this surf on the horizon, and um, my Thai buddy Joey's like, I'm like, what's the... What's all that surf? I didn't think you guys got surf here. He's like, we don't. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. This is kind of a new format for us. This interview, as you probably heard in the intro, is a you know better quality for the guests. That's because Aaron and I actually interviewed each other together uh, at the ha- at the House of Pod in Denver, which is like a podcast studio. But uh, Aaron ended up writing about us late last year in the Telegraph, and he got in touch, and we just so happened to to be near each other here in the Denver area. So we decided to meet up and do an episode. So Aaron, thank you so much for for suggesting that and getting it set up. And it it was a blast to be face-to-face with a guest and someone who has so many accolades and was so fun to talk to. And our conversation kind of goes all over the place. We talk about travel writing. We talk about uh, some of his stories and adventures, talk about fatherhood a little bit and our careers. And um, Hope you enjoy the the interview. But Aaron is an award-winning travel writer. He's written for the Times of London, National Geographic. He's done some documentary stuff for National Geographic. Uh, he's written two books. One is about the 50 greatest wonders of the world, and the other one is about the 50 greatest national parks in the world. So both just incredible projects talking about the most amazing things literally on the planet. And in 2014 and 2017, Aaron was the British Guild of Travel Writers Travel Writer of the Year, which is pretty a pretty incredible accomplishment that he had twice. So it was a huge honor to talk to him. If you'd like to learn more about him, he'll mention this later in the show, but I would just want to plug it now. He has a podcast called Armchair Explorer that basically interviews explorers and adventurers about their most incredible story, like their single most favorite story. And so it's really condensed. It's just amazing. And you can find out more about that by you know searching on whatever podcast app you use or going to armchair explorer explorer.com but i don't think this will be the last time we have him on um because he's such a he's very poetic in the way he talks so i, I just it, it was just so much fun so aaron thanks again and i hope y'all enjoy I don't know who's welcoming who because I feel like I'm in your house. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, welcome to your own podcast, Mason. Yeah, Thanks for having me. So, yeah, so welcome, Aaron. Um, you know, it, I, I shared a few around Christmas time when we were we were on in, in the Telegraph, and I, I talked about that, and that was awesome. And Aaron, you were the one that that made that happen. So that's kind of where we met and how we built our relationship. But from there, we started emailing and realized. Oh, we're in the same area. I don't know who realized it first, but you were, you know, you're, you said Louisville? Yeah, yeah, okay. Louisville. All right. So, and I'm in Lakewood, which is, you know, basically greater area of Denver, Boulder area. So we just figured let's, 
let's meet up and do an interview. And so, you know, we've actually never done a, a live interview on Adventure Sports Podcast. We've had the ability to a couple times, maybe like five times overall, but everyone else we ever interview is, you know, in Papua New Guinea or the <laughs> UK course, yeah, yeah. or Africa somewhere. So it's it's pretty hard to actually find a place where, where or or a guest that where you're you're physically co- close enough to meet up. And so this has been I have the ability to do it now, but not before. So so this is a first for us. This is nice, man. It's nice to do a face by face and yeah. thank you for dropping dropping off some of your beer by the way as well. Yeah, so absolutely. I may if you hear a <laughs> halfway through, that's just me enjoying your sampling your brews. Oh man. Well I, I recommend drinking it cold, but that's just me. <laughs> My dad drinks it warm. So but you know, Aaron, you are uh are you originally from the UK or Ireland or, or uh, what is it for you? Yeah, I mean, actually, I was born in the States. Um, my uh, okay. my mom's American, but my dad's English, and uh, we moved out to to England when I was a little little kid. So I grew, basically grew up in Brighton, England, on the south coast, um, and then you know did my tenants in in uh, in London for for a number of years. And then just ran away to the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Oh man, well, what brought you? Why the Rockies in Colorado? You know, it's funny. It was we kind of put. Uh, it was it was actually an adventure in its own self because. Um, uh, so I, when I was about thirty, I started. Uh, I quit my job. I had a big kind of London job and and uh, quit it on a kind of. I don't know what you call the thirty year old. It's not quite your midlife crisis. It's like your your pre midlife crisis. It's like right? Third third of the third of the. I'm having as life. many as I can get. <laughs> as many as they'll let me. You know. And um uh and I uh and I was like no I can't do this city life I can't do this like this big stressful job and uh you know I always wanted to be a writer so I was like right, I'm just going to quit my job and and um be a writer and uh and for about 6 months I was just trying to get published trying to get published and uh uh and it wasn't happening and then finally I got this this great job and I really it's one of the stories I was hoping to tell you later but uh, that led to um, uh, to me uh, working for some different newspapers and uh, magazines in in the UK, and eventually uh, getting the getting the job to come over to America and cover some North American travel. So I came over as a kind of freelancer, working for the London Times and National Geographic Traveler, and and basically the idea was to spend three years with my my little family uh, traveling around the states and and um, and and writing and exploring and and having adventures but we got stuck in we got stuck in Colorado we were gonna we were gonna uh, move to Boulder Colorado and then we then we saw the property prices and we, we moved just outside <laughs> instead yeah you'll save you know quite quite a few lifetimes of work yeah but it's a beautiful a place man I, I love Colorado and I love uh, this part of America it's so big and wild and and vast and coming from a, a country that's small and, and crowded um it just feels so liberating and so full of adventure and it's always been my dream to to run away to the mountains and you know i got as far as the as the foothills and the front range so but I, that's close enough for me so you mentioned three three years kind of commitment with you and your family in the states yeah that, that sounds like an amazing opportunity it was it was it was unbelievable and you know i mean just to, to the flexibility to do a job where you just kind of work from your laptop is is amazing and and um uh we were, we had kids young kids before they were going into school and you know we had that flexibility so we wanted to to go on that that big life adventure and 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 you know just live live out our dreams you know we we had that thing where it's like when your kids about 
three or four you look over on the horizon you think god they're gonna enter school soon and then it's just game over you know yeah. so it's like yeah. where you begin that process is is kind of starting to put your roots down a little bit and so we were like god before we do that let's let's go and and see some more of the world and and uh, you know my wife uh, jill and i have always been kind of backpackers and um we wanted to do some of that with the kids um it's a little different with the kids you know but it's uh it, it's so uh, magical to to show them the world and share the world with them that's awesome. That's awesome. So you traveled around the U.S. You got stuck in Colorado. Is is there any sort of, because I know here in the States, it's like going West is the thing to do. Is there anything like that in the U.K.? Is there a, a region, maybe like the Lake District? I don't know. I really don't know much. It's That's very, like the only place. Or is it somewhere else? You know, it's very, it's very, um, it's very kind of segregated in some way. So my so my wife and I shouldn't get on. She's from the northeast of Scotland, which is as far okay. as she can go, and I'm from the south of England. So, in theory, she's supposed to hate me, but okay. really somehow we, okay. we've managed to figure it out. But um, there there isn't there really isn't the same thing, you know. And I've done a bunch of um, uh, stories and trips uh, about the West, and I think that's one of the things that always you know really captures me about it is that just that sense of 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 boundlessness you know um i did a story about wild mustang horses uh in nevada and you you know this this ranch had been set up to kind of rescue these these uh, horses and there was this moment where we were uh we were just riding along with the with the with the herd and then they started galloping and you know they're just kicking up this huge dust storm around us and we had these the, the ghost shoot mountains or or in the distance, you know, just kind of dripped in snow, and and I was like, man, this is this is it. This is the this is the West. This is like this is a scene that has been um, been looked at by so many different people for over you know over hundreds of years, and and I just felt co- kind of connected to that, and I and I feel like that's what uh, this part of the world gives you. It gives you that space. It gives you that that sense of freedom and adventure. And I don't think you get that in Europe. You get, not everywhere anyway, I think you get history and you get depth and you get some other things like that, culture. Um, but you don't get that kind of boundless, limitless freedom that you get out here in the West. And that's just such a catalyst in, uh, for adventure, such a, an inspiration for me. Um, and so that's part of the reason uh, why we got stuck. And, and you know, it's it's interesting too, because it's, you know, the that kind of wild west heritage is really alive in Colorado and and uh, and and but it's not that far away you know it feels like it is but actually you know you go up into Silverton or somewhere like that where it's like dirt roads and you know and, and you got you think about it and you're like god man that's only a few generations away you know like back back home in England they were clinking teacups and and waltzing and it was still completely wild here and untouched and i think because of that because of that, you know, that, that newness, that freshness to it, it has a different feel to it. I really feel like different landscapes in different areas have a feel, like almost an emotional feel to them, um, as well as a way that they look. And uh, and I always try and capture that a little bit, you know, is to try and, how does a place feel? It just like intuitively, instinctively. And I think here for me, it just feels still kind of untapped and wild. And, and the mountains always have that special energy anyway. They're so you know, big, they're so, um, you know, vast and unexplored and wild. And, and um, I always grew up by the ocean and, and I miss the ocean in some ways, but the mountains are, the mountains win for me. The mountains are, have that, just that special, special energy, which always makes me feel good. So, man, I can't tell you how much I agree. The West is, I've never been anywhere like it. Been a lot of places in this world. There's something about the 
biased, but the American West. It's oh yeah, the, it's it's a recent history. It's but also an ancient history because mm-hmm. the the history, the natives, it, it was unchanging for so long, and it, it there is a specialness about it and a just a vastness. Yeah. I, I remember doing the Colorado Trail one time, and my friend had just he just toured all of all of uh, New Zealand on bicycle, oh, north man. to south. Yep, and or north to south, yeah. And he, we did the Colorado Trail, which starts in, in uh, Durango and mm. goes all the way to Denver, pretty much. And he said, "This is better. This is because <laughs> of it. Just never ends." He goes, "I feel like I could cross a pass or two, and I'm on the other side of the island, right. you know, you know, laterally." Yeah. But he's like, "Here, it's it's 500 miles wide of yeah. just peak after peak after peak after peak, and in Colorado, in a way, is small compared to other parts of the West, and it's just like one little section and." I can't agree with you more. So, so you mentioned you try to capture it. How, how do you capture it? What do you? You're still a writing about it, correct? Yeah, I'm. A, I'm still a travel writer, and you know, I'm, uh, we we met through the podcasting thing. I started a podcast too, and um, and I love uh, talking about adventure as much as I love writing about it. But um, I think whichever format you're doing that, you know, travel and adventure for me is is more than just the kind of practical nuts and bolts of how to do something or or what you see it's it's also about uh, you know how it how you take it in how it makes you feel how it changes you and that's like the kind of deeper side of adventure and i think you can always allude to that you know um a good example so i, t- I took uh, last year one of the best trips i did last year we i went down um the route of parks in chile and patagonia which is like a it's a new uh they've basically linked together three long distance road trips to create this new um this new mega road trip it's like the ultimate road trip in the world more than a thousand miles um from puerto Montt all the way down to the the cape most of it just on dirt roads passing through um i think it's like 17 national parks it's now the largest contiguous area of protected wilderness on the planet and um it's so wild and, and so untouched and it was an amazing trip but at the end of it we literally reached the end of the road uh, We for the northern section of it in, in this village of Tortel. And um, the road literally ends there. And, and uh, we got a, bu- a boat, just a guy with a little boat, took us to the southern ice field. And, you know, we're surrounded by these amazing pale blue icebergs and just no one, you know, absolute no one. And this guy's grown up, you know, he's in his 50s and he's grown up on these waters his whole life. And... Um, He's like, I th- you know, I think I think the icebergs are parting a little bit and I think we can get closer. Do you want to go in my... He brought this kind of rubber dinghy with him and he's like, we can go closer. And so we kind of like wove through this maze of icebergs. And then he's like, I think we can land there, you know. And, and we landed on this little peninsula with this huge waterfall coming down and we we hiked up this this hill. And then there was the Jorge Mont uh, Glacier just suddenly in front of us, just like glimmering like stars. And he looked at me and he's like... I've never been here before, and it's. I th- you think, God, I, I bet, I bet no one has. You know, it's like, wow, yeah. and it feels different because of that. If there, it feels, there's a kind of wilderness. I mean, I love national parks. I've written a book about national parks. I absolutely adore them, but, and I think America does national parks incredibly well. But they're managed mm-hmm. for our recreation, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's a different feeling to that, to being in the true wilderness and and uh you know when i stood in that place looking out of those icebergs and that glacier and you know we'd been there for two days and not seen another soul and that emptiness um you know there there's a there's something about that 
emptiness of the the true wilderness that really just fills your soul up. What do you think that is? Like why why as humans do we crave that? You know what I'm saying? I think it's where we come from. Um, you know, I think that our brains have evolved. Ninety nine point nine percent of human evolution has been in the outdoors, right? We've yeah, been, yeah, it's true. Our our bed has been the the forest and our 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 blanket has been the stars and uh, that's how our brains have evolved and so we're not um mentally used to this uh, kind of especially urban environment we're not used to this fast-paced uh thinking that we have to do with social media and all that that kind of stuff and one of the things that i i always try and talk about and write about whenever i can can is something called the what i call the wonder deficit and I think that we have a wonder deficit in our life. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about sharing adventure and exploration is I think that wonder is is, uh, is something that's, you know, truly what makes us human and what makes life worth living. And, and when we empty ourselves, and I think great nature can do that, when we empty ourselves, we, we allow that wonder in. And actually, there's some really interesting science and psychology about that too, where... Um, you know that they think that um, that maybe uh, what we're experiencing in the in the presence of great wonder when we see that sunrise over the Grand Canyon, or we look out in the middle of the Alaskan Range and look up in the middle of the night and we see the uh, the Northern Lights just dancing across the sky, we are so overwhelmed. Our mind becomes so overwhelmed with that experience that it actually kind of just dissolves our ego, and for just a second we see the world as it really is without having to look through the veil of our own insecurities and ego and and petty things that we can't usually drop. Let's take a quick break from one of our sponsors. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Well, Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you'll want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your own home. Roman makes it convenient to get treatment you need and on your schedule. So just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com ASP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com ASP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Link is in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Wow. So you, you sound more like a travel poet. Show, right? <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to steal was, that, man. Thank you. That was good. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, this is right out of a book. But I think you're right. It's almost like we get to just let go of ourselves. Yep. Social media. Yep. Let go of just thinking about anything. And I tell you, it, it, when you come to, when, when you're in those moments, I know everyone out there listening has had those moments, whether it's a drive or, or just where you forget and say, wow, I find those moments bittersweet now because I know they're not going to last that long. Yeah. And I have to go back and, you know, pay bills or whatever I got to do, you know, in normal, normal life. And yeah. it's, it's, 
it, it, those little moments are so precious. Sometimes I just walk out on my porch at night. Like the other night I did that. You know, I go around, the, the, there's the dog food thing. There's, you know, all the stuff on the porch and you just look up at the stars and think, those are so far away. This is one of the, this can be one of those moments for me. Yep. It doesn't have to be, yep. you know, when I'm in the backcountry Yosemite because yep. I can't do that every day, you know. And, That's and, right. But I have to find that yep. today. If I, you know, I need that after a long day at work, I need to find that and I'm not going to go, you know, the, the roads are covered with ice or whatever. I can't go for a drive. I'll just go out there and look and, and that can do that now. But I think that's right. And I think that's what it's all about. It's like, you know, there's, um, not everyone's able, I feel ver- super lucky and blessed to have been able to explore the world, but not, not everyone can do that. And, and that shouldn't mean that it, people can't be exposed to that kind of wonder because really it's it's all around us, like you say, and it's easier to find and sense in places like Yosemite, which are just un- mind-blowingly unbelievable. But mm-hmm. But like you say, it's those little moments where you see the stars or it's that you know, it's that little moment. Like I, I wake up early and, and I, you know, sometimes I'll look out my window and I'll just see for just a second, like maybe just a minute, the perfect color of sunrise. And and if you can just take 10 seconds to just breathe that in, that'll change your whole day. I do it really and it's well. interesting what you said too, because I've like coined this phrase. Um, I'm trying to get this idea off the ground called the, the wanderist, right? Which is like, because if you're a collector of anything, whatever that is, that ends in ist, like you're a, I can't remember what the, the different words are, but you're a stamp collector, it's a somethingist. You're, you're, a, yep, yep. you're a box collector, it's a somethingist. So I want to be a wonderist. I want to collect wonder. I want to go around the world and I want to collect snapshots and moments of wonder because those are things that you can keep with you. Okay, yeah. that's something that they're fleeting in a sense, but they're also the only thing that you really can keep because it really goes in deep. And it. And I do believe that, um, you know, that, that it, it fills you up and it, and it has the, the capacity and the power to change you. And I think that's something that, that's a way we can twist some of this uh, kind of modern life interest stroke obsession with, um, you know, sharing our experiences and having experiences. I think it's great in many ways that we're moving from a kind of consumerist culture to an experience driven culture, right? Where it's, that's something, there's something more real and authentic about that. We don't need more things to make us happy, Mm -hmm. but maybe we do need great experiences. Um, but those experiences don't have to be related to ego and status and, and, uh, you know, like how many likes we get, those things can also be related to, to pure wonder and moments of mindfulness. And so we can, we can go about our lives and, um, and, and want to experience all these great things and want to share them with all our friends. But underneath that, we can have a, a more deeper sense of how each one of those things is enlightening us in a small way and maybe sometimes in a big way too. Have you always thought that way or was it, it different younger? At the, definitely different younger. I mean, you know, there's, a, there's different phases of your life, isn't there? And um, I feel like I've always uh, been driven and connected to the to nature and the outdoors and in a really profound way um but it's hard to articulate those feelings you know i think it's sometimes like bigger ideas that need time to kind of ferment in your brain and and uh so sometimes when you're younger you can feel those things but they're they're hard to articulate even kind of emotionally in your own thoughts and so uh but if you keep bubbling them up and inside then eventually they, they they come out one way or the other whether it's an article or a adventure sports podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's, what a, I mean, it just seems like a really mature way of looking at experiences. And I'm sure being a dad for as long as you have you, I'm sure you look at things differently. Like, does my kid really need another toy or do we need to go somewhere? Yeah. Or go experience something or go do something that maybe 
they've never done. And so, no, I think that's a great way of looking at. It. We do have a lot of guests on the on this show that that you know they're they're they, you can tell a difference between the young and the older adventurers. It's like the young ones are based on how cool does this sound to other people, and right. I'm definitely. You can accuse me of that all day long. <laughs> well, I guess we can all be yeah. guilty of that sometimes. <laughs> and then now it's like, yeah. what do I really want to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it might not be worthy of a documentary, but it's it does it for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like purely it's pure it's more pure adventure than yeah. than maybe this was that was so marketable when I yeah. was in my twenties. But uh but speaking of adventures, I know you've done a lot of yeah interesting things through your work. Is there anything in particular that 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 sticks out to you? I know we talked about there was this pub crawl you did. Well that you... seems so shallow to go to that now, <laughs> okay. doesn't it? I was like, hey, let's talk about a hundred mile pub crawl I did. Because that sounds so cool. No, <laughs> no it's no. it's actually that was that was my first real job and there's a good story behind that. But but I wanted to actually like just relate it to what we're talking about. Yeah. What what kind of jumps to mind is um there's a a trip I did, it's there's a there's a long distance footpath in Japan called the Kumanakodo and it's been walked by like emperors and pilgrims and peasants for more than a thousand years and it and it's it goes through the key mountains um the key peninsula uh of japan which is um just south of kyoto a really beautiful beautiful place but in these mountains um the there's uh, a group called uh, the shugendo monks right and if you've ever seen those videos where the there's these uh, monks meditating under freezing waterfalls and performing these superhuman feats these are those guys, right? And what's so interesting about them and related to what we're talking about is that they they believe it's kind of a cross between um, Japanese Shintoism, which is like paganism, connection to earth and nature, and t- traditional Buddhism, which is like enlightenment of the mind. And they and it's a fusion of those two things. So they they believe that enlightenment is attained not through distancing yourself from the world and and meditating but through absolute immersion in the natural world and so um what they do is they do these really crazy kind of long distance hikes and and, and feats of endurance like like meditating under these waterfalls and um and and they really believe that by by just immersing themselves in they don't say the word adventure but that's how they kind of live their life um in the natural world in an active way um, they're able to kind of push out many of those those kind of day-to-day thoughts and then just listen and hear what they perceive as the, the truth, right? And so I walked this footpath. I was one of the first uh, people to walk it without a guide. And so and it was absolutely beautiful. You know, you're it's hard to like it's very steep there's these beautiful paths through the mountains and um and you stay in these beautiful little uh, traditional guest houses along the way and and you arrive and there are like i'm not even joking like 15 course sushi dinners waiting for you oh my gosh yeah. just because it's this thing called um uh um i think it's called taike i'll have to look it up but you'll have to put it in the show notes but it's this this idea of of uh, using all your senses, right? So, and one of those is is taste, and they and they give you all these tastes and, and the most delicious food, and they have these natural hot springs that you go swim in at the end of the day, and and it's just the most peaceful, incredible, amazing thing. And and right at the end of this like five day hike, I um I rounded the corner, and there was this, an actual Shigendo monk there, and um, he spoke a little English, and we sat down and we started talking. Um, 
and the legends of the of these shigendo monks like if you ever watch those kung fu movies where people are like flying up matrix style and like spinning around yeah. forever and doing those incredible feats those all come from like ancient japanese legends of the shigendo monks that they were they believed that through this nature immersion they were given these superpowers right so i said to him you know what's your superpower and uh and uh he leaned in and he said i can listen to people's hearts and know how to help them oh, man isn't that like the best superpower uh, yeah. you've ever heard of? I, it's absolutely a superpower <laughs> yeah. too in in today's world. I, I was going to ask, what do you what do you ask a monk when you come across him on a trail? <laughs> I know, right? What's that, your superpower? Yeah, apparently? what's your apparently, what's your <laughs> that is too good of an answer. Yeah, right. It's so cool. And he 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 actually he was one of the guys that um so these the the Nachiotaki is the sacred waterfall that they that they build all their shrines around it and temples around at the end of this hike. And, you know, this is the mountains and it's Japan and it's freezing in winter. And um, if you or I to go, were to go into this waterfall, um, you know, we'd probably last a couple of minutes and get hypothermia. But he explained to me that he's able to go in and through meditation and through this power he's attained, through this, these, um, this, this nature immersion, he's, he's able to go in and control his body temperature enough that he can meditate under there for up to 45 minutes, under the, actually under this freezing water. And there's videos of, of similar monks doing that. So there's a real physiological truth to that too, right? Like he is actually getting a superpower or a control over his body in, in a way. I don't know if he can fly through the trees, like, you know, yeah. crouching tiger style, right. but, but maybe he didn't show me that. That's what I should have asked, yeah. right? He's, he's not going to show you that. Not, not just some, some, some <laughs> outsider. Be the last thing I I yeah. see, wouldn't it? Yes. He, well, you turned around, he was gone. That's what happened. Yeah, exactly. He, he jumped yeah, through yeah. the trees. <laughs> That's too cool. Yeah. So, so, I mean, gosh. So, so if if you you can't have those experiences all the time, how do you, did, what do you what do you do with with your demanding life? I don't even know what direction we're going here, but um, <laughs> it's just I love stories. Yep. Like that. Stories. Yep. Are just what this whole show's about, of course. Yep. And I, I feel like for a lot of us, the, the stories that we hold on to or that we tell yep. and are most proud of can be, there can be a, quite a long time between a new iteration or a new story, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you feel that way sometimes, but for me, it's definitely like that. And I, don't, I never want to be one of those people that holds on to something they did so long ago and there's nothing new they've done since. Mm-hmm. And- I, personally, it's 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 just always a fascination to me. Stories are like uh, so. Um, a lot of people think that stories are what actually defines us as human beings, right? Like there's a, you know, that we're the only uh, animal that's capable of telling stories in order that we all believe and follow similar paths and work together. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you go to any culture at any time in the world, storytelling has been an important part of that. So yeah, for me, it's, it's all about stories and, and, um, and inspiring each other with our stories. Right. And, you know, I think every time that we tell those stories that uplift and inspire, we're, 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 we're making the world a little bit of a better place in a small way, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, that's what you're doing with your show here too, is I think is, is, you know, I love listening to it. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be on it. I love listening to your show and I love being transported away to, um, to these great adventures that our people are doing. And, And, and that's what I'm trying to do too, is, is to, 
you know we live in a we live in dark times but the, mm-hmm. but the world is still an incredibly amazing and wonderful place and it's really important to remember that we're a part of that amazingness we're not separate from that amazingness we're we're intrinsically a part of that amazingness yeah. and i think when we explore the world and um we begin to understand that more deeply you know i think that when you when you climb a mountain and you stand on top of that mountain, I've done some things where, you know, like, for example, I, I did this thing called cliff camping. You're a climber, right? So this won't be too, mm-hmm. too. Um, not, nah, I, I've climbed. <laughs> I've climbed. I yeah. wouldn't call myself a climber, but yeah. I, 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 I was really into climbing for a while, so I didn't think this would scare me. But I did this thing called cliff camping, yeah. uh, which uh, did you know about cliff camping. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 it ended up scaring the hell out of me. And, but, um, for, for people that don't know what that is, it's basically like taking kind of mere mortals, non kind of mountain goats or mountaineers onto sheer cliff faces and spending the night on a on a portal ledge, which are those like flimsy yep. things that rock climbers take up on big wall ascents to, to spend the night on. Um, and I had this kind of crazy, crazy experience doing it involving, you know, nearly getting hit by a lightning strike, having to do like an emergency abseil. We then hiked up the back of this mountain. I had to jump over like a three foot um just it was almost like a crevasse it was a three foot gap between these two cliffs uh and uh, you know it was like the hardest thing i've ever done like you could if you were on ground level in the light you would i do it backwards right but up there it was you know but i was with this guy he was like my guide taking me up his name's buster jessic this is up in estes park in rocky mountain near us and um He's like the James Bond of rock climbing. You know, he just makes everything look good about it and easy. So he's like hopping over (laughs) which way. Anyway, we get over this thing and and then we have to abseil, rappel down the cliff face to reach the portal ledge that way via rappel. And um, at one point on this this, uh, rappel, he had gone first and, and he'd gone on kind of over an overhang. And then I was kind of coming down on my own and it was dark. And the wind was kicking up and all I could see was what my the light of my head torch. And, and then I was surrounded by this, this cliff and this darkness. And it was, you know, it was, it was intense, but I was like, wow, this, I felt so like privileged to, to be there because how many people see this? How many people see this cliff or this mountain from this perspective? And, you know, that's, that's real connection right and and it's one thing to look at it from a car window or from a from a viewpoint but to really jump headfirst in is a completely different experience and then you know i had a bad night i for whatever reason i just like intense vertigo all night long it was just spinning me backwards and you know, I, at one point I had to take a pee and it was like the worst pee I ever had to take. Like ex- extreme sleeping is one thing, but extreme peeing, I mean, it was like yeah, the most, okay. it was like, oh my God. And then a storm came over. It was like the whole thing was was really, really uh, intense. But then the, the dawn broke and sunrise kind of flooded this whole valley with color. And it was so beautiful. And we were looking down and we saw these like lights coming on in Estes Park, people like turning their, their lights on and waking up and making coffee and driving off in their car to work. And, 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 you know, and, and, and Buster turned to me and he said, look at them. Don't you feel sorry for them? 
They spend their whole life there and they don't know what it's like to be here. They don't know what this feels like. They don't know what this looks like. And I think that's what it's all about. It's like it's worth push, mm. pushing yourself through those moments of fear to get to that point of realization and that point of, you know, that privilege of to see something, to see uh, um, a landscape from that unique and uh, privileged position that very few people see. And I think that does does change you in some way and when I got to I swore I would never do it again and when I got to the bottom I sort of kissed the ground Hollywood style like so all night long I said when I get to the bottom I'm going to kiss the ground Hollywood style and I did it but then I was like you know what Damn, I might go up again that was good you yeah, know you know and that's what happens too isn't it that is the effect <laughs> the adventure effect man you, yep. you're you hate it during yep. the time I can't tell you how many trips I've wanted to quit right I'm like this yeah. is awful you get down and you're like that I'm that is going on my resume. Best time I've ever had. <laughs> that is the best thing I've ever done. And Absolutely. Now that's interesting that your buddy brought that up or said that, you know, do yep. you feel sorry for them? And, you know, I know you're the same way. We've had the privilege of being in some pretty incredible places yep. and do some pretty incredible things. And I don't know about you, but when I go to those places, I meet a lot of people that don't, that don't seem to know what's around them. Yeah. And some of the most adventurous people, some of the people that I would say are my favorite guests that have ever been on, on the show or even my best friends who I try to emulate a lot, they don't live in the most remarkable places. Like I used to live in Yosemite Valley. Oh, wow. And Beautiful. used to live and work there. And I knew people, there's Yosemite Falls there, which is, you know, 2500 feet and it, you you hear it at night like it's it's so loud it'll 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 i mean you, it'll keep you up at night it's like a fan being on anywhere in the valley <laughs> yeah. just because it ricochets the, the noise you know just it's amazing acoustics but there were people i worked with that didn't know if the waterfall was running not running like it's a faucet but you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, it I was know, water was flowing right because for a lot of the year it's dry. Right. There were people that didn't even know because they never took the time to literally, all it was, was look up. Yeah. That's it. They yeah. were like, I would say, did you see the falls this morning? They're like, no, I didn't. I'm like, are you kidding me? It was, you You, you, you get mist on your face coming into work <laughs> yeah, from it. Yeah, your face actually wet and, from and it. And they, they had no idea because it was so far from what they were thinking about in yeah. their mind. And so for those people down in Estes, that you guys were looking down, there's a very real chance that, you know, when, when you get used to something mm. like that, you just don't, you, you might not, you just take it for granted. Yeah. I see it here in Colorado all oh, the time. All the time, yep. I, I figured moving here, it's like, oh, everyone's going to be adventurous, but you still have to look for it. Yeah. Just like I had to look for it there, just like how I looked, had to look for it home in Florida. It's there, but you have to find it and so I, I would i just want to encourage anyone out there listening that you know maybe you feel like you're not in, in an adventurous place in life maybe location wise maybe a stage of life you yeah. know we're both dads so you know that can definitely take a hit <laughs> on a yeah. In itself. yeah 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 for sure <laughs> and, and in a lot of ways it feels like i can't get out as much but it really isn't true mm. you know what i mean and it really is how you look at it and what you decide to do you know those people live right there they could go up there you know maybe they couldn't do that they could do something around there yep and so it really is starting just just starting exactly where you are and to notice it and i like what you said that and, and also just you know if you are if you are someone that that notices that and loves that and gets that then you know and I, i'm sure that everyone that's listening to this show 
is one of those people it's about sharing that you know it's like yeah. like i feel like if everyone just shared their passion the world would be a you know a better place and if your passion is the outdoors and then someone hasn't yet woken up to that 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 beautiful thing yet then um it's all just about sharing that in whichever way whichever way you want you know yeah and um and i think that's like that's that's what it's all about for me man it's just like sharing that sharing that amazingness and and hoping to inspire other people to get out there so and pub crawls yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time for a quick message break CS Instant Coffee is definitely the best instant coffee I've ever had. In fact, just out of convenience and how good it tastes, I decided for the last year I've been taking it on every single adventure I go on from backpacking to bike tours. Uh, just from convenience sake, it's really high quality and it keeps me from having to take a bunch of other equipment out in the woods. Uh, but it's not just for going out on adventures. My wife actually takes some to work Every single day with her, she takes a couple packs uh, to refill her coffee mug. Uh, as a teacher, she doesn't have a ton of time to um, have to, you know, make fresh coffee all the time. So she just needs a little hot water, can pour the coffee in, and she's ready to go for her next class and not waste a lot of time. So if you're crunched for time in your job, uh, I would definitely suggest giving it a shot because they have been huge supporters of the show for the last year. And I really appreciate everything they've done for us. And it would mean a lot to me to go support them. So if you're interested, go to csinstant.coffee and uh, support those who are supporting the show. It would go a long way. Thank you. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, plus beer. Plus beer, absolutely. So, <laughs> I was going to ask, you know, how, how do you, how do you share it? Is it, you know, how do you share it? Well, I know we've talked about, you know, I know you do the podcast, you write, but yeah. is that primarily what you do? Yeah, I'm lucky. I guess that I can do that um, through through uh, you know my my job, but um, you know, it's a good question. I think that our, our just our general interactions with people, I think, are one of the biggest ways we can yeah. make an influence on the world. Um, you know, talk about being a dad. I, I think that's the biggest influence that you'll you'll have in life, no matter probably what you do. And so it's like inspiring your kids and and just uh, you know, I, it's not always easy. You know, I mean, it's not something like I've just kind of wake up zen and and I'm like, hey, I'm just going to go out and inspire people. You know, I I'm, I get stressed, I get overworked, I get overwhelmed, I, like everyone else. I think it's just about trying to come back and connect to that part and remember what's what's really really important. You know, um, I had a really crazy experience. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I had a really crazy experience when I was younger. Um, in my 20s i was in uh, thailand when the tsunami hit and oh, uh wow. the 2004 tsunami and and it was the most crazy story of luck you'll probably ever hear but i think that really made me think about life and death and other things like that differently and i think from that moment on i was i started to really try and pursue what was important to me personally like i feel like the the point of life is onefold subjective to be happy and to enjoy it and, and twofold objective to make it um, the world just to leave it a little bit better than you left it in whichever way mm -hmm. is your pattern, whichever way your kind of skills and passion interact with that. But the, um, yeah, but the tsunami story, yeah, it was, um, we were backpacking around Thailand and um, we were actually in a place called Tonsai rock climbing, which is a really famous rock climbing place. Beautiful, like, crags just coming out of the sea loads of deep water soloing like you could kayak out to these these incredible just like huge cliffs coming out of the sea and just like tie your kayak <laughs> up to the cliff and then just, just like free deep solo, water, deep, deep <laughs> solo. Was, fall yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh man and the ocean's just like beautiful and warm it's it's just the oh. most 
beautiful place and just like you know belaying on your bare feet on the beach and uh, wow. it's um really beautiful place but um but what we were only kind of there by accident we were going to go to a different island and we met some people on the on the ferry over and they're like no you got to check this place out it's amazing so we're like okay so we didn't go to this island called Kopipi and we went to Tonsai instead and then we wanted to stay on this beach called Ralai Beach and uh, it was totally full up uh, so we had to go to this other beach um, which is Tonsai Beach and we wanted to get one of those little bungalows on the on the beach but they were all booked up so the only one we could get was right up in the mountains um, so we were staying up there in the mountains and it was uh and we'd been kind of vegetarian the whole way but my wife jill was uh you know is a meat eater from time to time and it was christmas day and they cooked this turkey right (laughs) and so she's like and we'd planned to go um diving the next day and uh um but they had the the little guest house we were staying at gone to the trouble of cooking this turkey and i was veggie i'm like so i can't eat it and so she's like that's okay i'll i'll eat it you know not to be ungrateful and um as a result of her eating that she uh she got really bad food poisoning and so the next day we didn't go um diving we uh and everyone that went out in the water that day didn't come back so we didn't go out diving oh my god and uh, I woke up and I was like, well, I'll go climbing instead. And, I'm, and I met up with my Thai buddy. And, and you, you didn't know about the tsunami The yet. tsunami hadn't hit yet. Hadn't no. hit yet. It's okay. going to hit. It hit on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. Holy cow. So she's stuck with food poisoning. And uh, and uh, I meet up with my Thai buddy and we, uh, we go off climbing. And he's like... So you want to go to Eagle Wall over here? You want to go on and climb out one of those 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 uh, peninsula out to sea? I'm like, ah, I don't know. Let's go over there. Everyone that was climbing on Eagle Wall that day didn't make it. Everyone that went onto the other place did. And so uh, we came out, and the place where I was climbing was like this peninsula that comes off Raleigh Beach, and a beautiful kind of like multi-pitch crags going up it. Um, and we're 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 literally climbing, and uh, I see all this surf on the horizon. And um, my Thai buddy Joey's, I'm like, what's the, what's all that surf? I didn't think you guys got surf here. And he's like, we don't. And we watched this 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 wall of white water come, and there was like boats underneath us, and come, and we couldn't really get perspective on how big it was, and. Um, until it sort of came and and there was like a sailboat underneath us and I remember it just completely swallowed the sailboat and then just swept Raleigh Beach away like the whole, like it just covered the whole of Raleigh Beach there was three sets of it so we're stuck on this peninsula you know and um, we're stuck there for you know a few hours not knowing what to do not knowing what's happened you know this is like 2004 we didn't have like mobile phones and yeah. internet and whatever yeah. so um eventually we decided to just like run across this beach and i'm trying to get back to jill right and so i uh we run across this beach and there's like fishing boats in the trees and wreckage everywhere and um and eventually we 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 get back to uh to the beach where jill and i were uh the the place jill and i were staying all the places where we wanted to stay on Raleigh Beach, gone. All the places that we wanted to stay on the beach, gone. The only place that wasn't hit was the place on top of the mountain, which was the last place that we could we could get. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, and the island that we were supposed to go to was uh, something like 70%, 80% uh, casualties. So, um, we, so through this whole set of fortuitous circumstances, um, you know, we we survived but when i got there jill all i found was a note saying um 
on top of the mountain and uh, come and find me. And uh, and so I was traipsing through the jungle for like two hours and eventually I found this clearing and Jill and about 50 other people had run to the top of this mountain. And, uh, you know, for like two weeks, we didn't know what had happened. We really didn't know what happened. And uh, What did you think? Just well, You know what? It was... We, we managed to get a, a signal briefly and I remember I phoned my my mom and I was like, hey mom, I, I don't know if this is like, if anything's happened, but we're all right. And then the signal died and we, no one could get through for two weeks. And she was like, thank God you you did that, you know? Because would, they would have not known. They would have not known. Weeks. And so they were, um, oh my gosh. They were like, literally they were dropping, you know, ferrying in rice packets and dropping stuff like that uh, to us. And we were, helping clear up and helping you know build people's rebuild people's homes and then but it really for a while there was got really obsessed with thinking about death you know and uh, what what it means and how fortuitous fortuitous it is like one decision versus another decision life and death you know um and you can kind of spiral into that that dark hole pretty easily um and you know, I do. I, I guess I still sometimes, from time to time, struggle with that. But um, but ultimately, I th- I think that I took a lot of learning from that too. You know, and which was that, you know, just to just to be really thankful and grateful every day, and to wake up and try and set that intention of like, what am I grateful for? What is like? What do I really want today to be about? And for me, one of those things is trying to share the beauty of the world with other people and and you know and uh, you know and other things are my kids and my families and friends and all the things that for everyone but whatever it is that passion of yours you know it's easy to get caught up in careers it's easy to get caught up in in money and of course money and career is uh, important and part of life um but it, you know, what what are you grateful for? What are you going to wake up and sit at the end of the day and be grateful for? And I think if you write down every day what what you're really grateful for, it very rarely has anything to do with career or money. It's always little moments of, like that sunset or like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that moment you have with your child or 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 your friend. Those are the moments that you're grateful for. So if you remember and try and set that intention, then then yeah. life's a, a a less stressful place. <laughs> That is a crazy story. It's a crazy story. Yeah. I'm sure that you know. I, 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 I'm a believer. There's a handful of piv- pivotal moments in mm-hmm. most of our lives, like that we, in our old age, will look back on and say that that was a big moment. Yep. I think there's usually less than ten for most people. Mm-hmm. Maybe less than five. That had to be one for oh, you. Yeah. Because I mean, it wasn't just a moment. It seemed like an, a couple week experience altogether. It, it was. Yeah. And it and it was um, and it was almost you know in real time real life you don't always notice those moments i think that like looking back you you think oh yeah that was yeah sometimes i feel like in the quantum multiverse like <laughs> yeah 90 percent of me didn't make it through that and i'm just living out that 10 percent okay, you know? okay. <laughs> but i'm grateful for oh that. man that's uh <laughs> Yeah, that will definitely make you sit back and think yeah. about how you want to live your life oh, when it sure. was such an inconsequential decision, seemingly, yep. of where you're going to climb that day or where you're going to yep. spend the day. Does that affect you now? Like, do I start thinking about, God, what am I, decision am I going to make? No, I, I don't think, I think it's hard to live your life like that, thankfully. I think it would be yeah. very hard if you had to. Um, and I don't live my life like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it, I think the, you know, without getting too deep, I think that the the good thing about the, 
our mortality is that it makes every single day precious and and that's and our culture is geared towards denying death and denying the reality of death and in doing so we deny ourselves the the real true preciousness of every day and so Mm -hmm. um sometimes it's good to face up to that and actually i think for a lot of people that are into adventure sports and in maybe a less direct way um that you get that right good point yeah you get i think so yeah you know you when you when you challenge yourself when you put yourself out there and you have those moments um whether it's you know rock climbing or on a big bike trip or find yourself somewhere you don't know and don't know what to do um Th- those are real moments those are real moments you know and um, I think that can that can bring you back to that that truth too I would love to know if that is really true or if it just sounds true because I think I, I definitely spend more time mm-hmm. talking and thinking about death mm-hmm. than my family does right and I my my mother especially does not like that <laughs> but I, I think it's I just feel it feels very natural yeah because you know I have a bike bike touring background, and I can't tell you how many times a day a logging truck oh passes God. me <laughs> this close. I had an RV snag my jacket one oh, time Jesus. down a pass in California, and I thought that was that was three inches right. from just wiping me out. Yep. And you know, it's like you're faced with it all the time, and any and I'm sure different lines of work, or you don't have to be in it, but I think adventurous people probably do have a different relationship with with mortality there's a yeah, there's a really interesting book uh by a guy amazing writer uk writer and journalist called george Monbiot called feral which like going back to that sense of like when we were talking about connecting with um you know our brain evolving to be you, you know in the outdoors and in the natural world um in this book he kind of argues that our that our our brains also evolved to be confronted with danger and peril and our own mortality on a more regular basis and and that um we're not being fully human unless we embrace that in some way and so um uh he, he uses this word feral which i love you know uh-huh. as a, as a means of just like like just like shedding i just imagine like just shedding these layers of civilization That's and society and just getting out there and just it feels like like t- taking off a heavy jacket you didn't know you were wearing and then mm-hmm. suddenly you're you're like you know that moment when you're backpacking you take off your backpack and you're just like <gasps> and you just lift up it feels like that you know and it's like i think that's what that's all about it's about get having those little like confronting that your that that uh that danger on on a bigger small level so that you can feel really alive and really human and that's how we've evolved to live and exist and be mm-hmm. i think that's the that phenomenon or experience that you talk about i i I feel like i'm a werewolf when i get really (laughs) get into like three or four days into an adventure yeah and i i do it's a it's a civil i i always say that to people like it feels like i unzip or take off or like burn off this civilized version yeah and then it's just like wild i love it i love my fingernails are dirty which i know that sounds so sensitive (laughs) but like I'm filthy yeah. and it feels so good. Yeah, like yeah. I'm filthy and my beard is scruffy and I'm only concerned about food, water, and seeing beautiful sights. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, I and love, just man, I love that feeling. Uh-huh. Isn't it great? <laughs> and, and it's and it gets to a point where it's too much but after like a week and a half. But it's yeah. I don't I don't think a lot of people get to experience that. Yeah. And, and I know people that listen to this show that 
don't ever take action. Yeah. They they listen and they listen, you know, they live vicariously through it. But and myself included, it'll it'll be a while depending on the stage of life where I feel that again. Yeah. But you know, it, it's it's always this learning experience of, okay, I can't just be on my bike for six months now. What can I do to feel that? How quickly can I feel that? How do I either expedite the process or fit it in when I can? Yep. And how do I have the motivation to take advantage of those few hours or few days yep. where I can make this happen? I don't know yep. if you struggle with that, but oh, totally. I and, definitely I, do. and I was just thinking, it's like, you know, people don't. If you've never experienced something, or you've only if you've only ever experienced what it's like to live in that civilized you know contained safe world that's the only world you know and so you don't really know that you're wearing this heavy jacket or this heavy backpack you know and so um it really takes getting out there or or like we're coming back to is like just inspiring people that haven't done that to say hey you know there is this other world out there and uh and check it out that's um, awesome yeah yeah that's cool. awesome well man i i don't know what... we've gone so deep i know it's amazing i know i thought we were gonna talk about funny stuff and uh <laughs> and it's we've just gone straight down to the bottom i love yeah. it but that's where i like to be sometimes too it's oh, like yeah, yeah. felt like we connected and we've had this deep conversation and it's just beautiful i uh i, I enjoy the deep things yeah. as well you know what i'm saying like i i feel like i feel like a lot of my day is pretty surface level with mm-hmm. people and i don't know it's just yeah, there is a sense of urgency in conversation uh, yeah. where it's like I, I don't know if i'll talk to you you know how many ever many yeah. times in my life i want to make sure it's a good one yep. and uh with this com- with, with the podcast especially it's taught me to jump into that because yeah. I know we're just going all over the place because it's like I'll probably never talk to Tommy Caldwell ever again. <laughs> so I want to make sure it it's it's like a good conversation yeah. where I'll never talk to this random adventurer in Zimbabwe right yeah. now. But he's got Skype connection, yeah, and he's in a little internet cafe. That's awesome. Let's talk. Yeah, you know and then everyone I mean? else gets to share in that. And yeah. you know what? That's also for me. What's so awesome about travel and exploring the world is that you you get those meetings and those chance encounters with people that you may never see again, but you can have really profound encounters mm-hmm. with them, you know, and, and they can, they can be some of the most meaningful, um, friendships that you have, or they may only last a few days, you know, and I'm a yeah. big believer in, um, you know, there's a Muslim saying the road is King, right? Like that, you know, the, uh, that w- when, if someone knock, if a stranger knocks on your door, you give them the best house, bed in the house, you give them the best food in the house. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the road is also a you know i totally believe that the road is king but it's also a reflection of of who we are right so the 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 people that we get confronted with or the people that are knocking on our door are a reflection of what we're putting out there and if we Mm. go in and travel and explore the world with an open arms and an open heart then we get rewarded by the universe sending us some awesome people to hang out with yeah and if we go travel the world closed off and worried and afraid and seeing thieves and uh, muggers on every corner then the world feels that wariness and and uh and see and be, becomes wary of us too and mm-hmm. we have less connection and so i think part of um exploring the world is uh, is is trying to do it with that open mind and open heart and just uh, just embrace uh, embrace the, dif- the diversity of the world and em- embrace the different cultures you know there's an interesting thing about um culture shock right like culture shock is a psychological phenomenon uh, that's based in the uh, 
the reality that most of our communication is nonverbal, right? So you go to a different country, you immediately don't speak the language, but 70% or something like that of our communication is nonverbal. It's based on body language, it's based on intonation, and it's based on um, kind of unconscious customs and cues that, that you it, that you kind of absorb by growing up in a culture or by living there for a while. But when you're dropped in somewhere completely different that you don't know anything about, you don't even speak the language, but you also don't speak this invisible language either. And then you're really lost. And that and that's kind of what culture shock is. And I think a lot of people are at some level afraid of uh, travel um, yeah. because it's it is an uncomfortable place you know where our brains are saying to us hey i don't i cannot help you here i can't spot where danger is i can't spot mm. what to say and what to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but culture shock can also be a good thing because culture shock is also it's realizing that you're kind of dropping that clique of hey these are the beliefs that i grew up with these are the the these are those kind of parameters that i grew up with this is what my culture and my community and my friends and everyone thinks but but when i go somewhere else and all of that's gone and i'm just on my own in a completely new place where i'm the different one that's a really important thing for people to feel you know but a lot mm-hmm. of people don't travel and don't have the opportunity to do that and i think that one of the great benefits of, of, of trying to make that happen and, and do it is to, to understand that, that first of all, that, that whatever we believe and think and do is all fluid and water. Nothing is set in stone, right? Like if we were to travel back in time a hundred years, what we believed then would, is abhorrent to us, many of the things now, right? Mm-hmm. And a hundred years from now, many of the things we believe and think of as normal now will be abhorrent to our great-grandchildren. So whatever we believe and think and do as fluid and as water, you know? And um, because of that, the great opportunity is that we can also choose what we want to think and what we want to believe. And we might grow up in a culture like America or like England's, um, but that doesn't mean that we have to continue to, to live in that box, right? We can, we can evolve beyond that if we so wish. And we can adapt things from other cultures and other ideas that suits us personally. And in doing that, we can make and create more of an authentic self. And, and when we do that, um, I think life becomes more meaningful and more grounded and, and, and happier. And, and, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I love, um, I love, uh, being an explorer of the world and, and uh, I, I love trying to inspire other people to do the same hey man that's <laughs> that's awesome that's really <laughs> awesome yeah, you're, you're, you've got you, you can articulate it well man I've really enjoyed this conversation <laughs> I, I'm going to have a hard time titling the episode yeah I know I'm sure. like, <laughs> it's that time isn't it <laughs> no no it, it, it's I don't know there's I don't I don't you go, you don't talk about it all the time. Like, at least I don't, oh, I do, I guess, on the show, but there's, it go, it can be a while before you really talk about the why behind mm. adventure. Yeah. And just when two people know kind of the, the experience and can reflect on it and almost reminisce about it, it's, you need that every once in a while. Absolutely, this is, this is man. Great, I think you, know? you just titled it The Why of Adventure. Right? The Why of Adventure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, people love those kinds of episodes too. Yeah. So, um, that might be a good title. Yeah, uh, that's we'll cool. See. That's it. that's awesome. That's really fun. <laughs> but well, uh, I know that we probably covered a tenth of what we could. But it, was there anything else that we didn't share that you really wanted to to share? Um, you know, I, gosh, man, I 
I th- there's so many fun stories I would love to tell, but I feel like we've we've gone d- down this route and it's been absolutely beautiful and I've loved it and getting to hang out. Um, I would love to um, just let people know about my, my yeah, show, if that's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask, yeah. plug anything you want to plug. Okay, yeah, so... Um, yeah, my new podcast is called Armchair Explorer, and uh, the the hook is each episode, one of the world's greatest adventures comes on and tells their best story from the road. Um, I wow. cut everything from uh, with music and beats, so um, it's all documentary style. So there's no kind of, it's not the interview format, it's, it's really just kind of straight to the story itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and th- I've been really lucky to get a really incredible first season of guests I've got. Everyone from, you know, Tommy Moe, the Olympic gold medal skier, talking about, you know, dropping in some really big sick lines in the backcountry of Alaska um, to world-leading conservationists talk about trekking with gorillas and, and trying to help to, to save them in, in Rwanda. I've got, a, I've got a guy going down doing the Everest of great white shark dives with the guy who inspired Jaws the movie um, oh. and uh, Rodney Fox, which is like... It starts with the most horrific shark attack you'll ever hear in your life, but it ends with you really falling in love with these incredible apex creatures of the deep. And I think wow. that's what it's all about. You know, it's about telling stories, um, trying to immerse people in uh, in adventure and the amazingness of this planet, and then through that, uh, trying to inspire people to to see the world in a in a you know in a in a different way to, to see the world through somebody else's eyes. I, I, I got an episode with um, Tima Darian, who's the first Lebanese woman to, to summit Everest. She's doing the seven summit challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd be a great, she'd be great for this show actually. And uh, if you want, if you want to get connected um, and she, uh, she takes us step by step up Everest. And when she reaches the top, she describes how she's doing this. And it's, it's an incredible ordeal that she went through and she describes how she's doing this as a statement of freedom uh, for other Arab women in the Middle East um, that they can wow. do whatever they want. Um, and then actually, I've even got a an astronaut talking about doing a spacewalk on the International Space Station. Whoa! And it is. Uh, he talks about one of my. We spoke a lot about wonder, and he talks a lot about one of my favorite uh, subjects, which is called the the overview effect. And it's a, this amazing phenomenon in which. Um, Many astronauts, like most people that have gone into space and seen the Earth as a whole, come back so profoundly changed. They've actually created a psychological definition for what happens to you if you go into space and see the Earth as a whole. And they call it the overview effect. And and he describes how you suddenly realize that we are in this precious blue ball floating in space. And all our petty squabbles are seem so insignificant, and that we d- draw these dividing lines, it becomes so obvious that le- these lines are just lines that we draw in our minds. There are no nation lines, there are no nationalities from outer space, and it also becomes so apparent how beautiful and precious and alone we are, and uh, and how ridiculous that we would not strive to do everything we can to protect our only home and so um i've never heard of that yeah so let me ask you this then do you think you know more you know mass space travel would do humanity good i do i do actually yeah to to see the to everyone experience that yeah the reality of it and you know what it's it's happening like 2020 nasa announced um that uh they're they're now 
doing plans for private space travel to partly fund the International Space Station. And I love the International Space Station. I wrote a book about the the 50 Greatest Wonders of the World. It's kind of like a a guidebook, but it's more of like a kind of in-depth where uh, I try and sort of make you feel what it's like to be at these different wonders. And I, I actually chose the International Space Station as one of my wonders of the world because it's um it's the most complicated uh one of the most complicated machines we've ever built it's our first colony in space it's been continuously manned for more than 20 years in space and it's our first step into the stars and what's so amazing about it though is that we couldn't do it alone like no one country could do it and mm-hmm. it's the only thing we've done uh, as a, as a planet uh, and it's continually manned by multiple nations, and that's one of the remits of it. And now NASA's announcing plans that to help continue to fund it, they're going to do private space travel. And okay, you've got to be a billionaire to get up there now, but you know maybe by our grandchildren's time, yeah. that it'll be something of a rite of passage where, where we'll be able to go up into space and see the truth that we are like... Um, as Carl Sagan said, we are a, a pale blue dot floating in a in a sunbeam, and that's all we are, and, uh, and and we are alone in the vastness of space, and that makes us incredibly small, but also part of something incomprehensibly large, and that's pretty amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah, this is uh, this has been a heck of a conversation. <laughs> Can we hug now? Yeah, for real. Let's get- <laughs> We're going to have to do this again, all right? <laughs> okay, man. And then uh, next time we'll, uh, for real, let's do next- this again and we'll have an outline. <laughs> we had an outline. Next but- time we'll do the pub crawl. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's do, uh, we'll do the funny one next time. All right, we'll that sounds funny. good. No, that sounds awesome. We'll, I would love we'll- to do that. Aaron, thank you so much for joining in and helping the show reach, you know, more people and, and just have a fresh perspective and also a, a new format, you know, live. I, or no, or face to face. I really have enjoyed this. Me too, man. It's been amazing. Thanks yeah. so much, Mason. All right, have a good one. Right on, man. Right. Nice one. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventure sports podcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>